I can't be more excited than for this interview because it is with Brian Cork, my mentor, a bridge builder connecting entrepreneurs with single family offices. I'm not gonna tell you more than that, just jump into this interview. And if you like it, give us a like and comment. We'll really appreciate it. And best of luck with your funding. All right, welcome to Get Funded Show. This is Anastasia Rivado, and we have Brian Patrick Cork here with us today. Brian has fascinating background as both entrepreneur, investor. Right now, he's also a business coach, and also he's a, a gatekeeper, an intermediary to single-family offices. And I've had an honor to meet Brian in person and even get his coaching session, which honestly changed my life so i'm very happy to have him here for for you guys today and learn more about his experience background and uh, what he sees happening on the venture market hi brian anastasia how are you today it's so great to hear your voice <laughs> i'm doing wonderful excited for this interview and um i want to start by asking you to give our audience a quick background on how did you end up being so amazing? Uh, what brought you to the spot in your career and life where you are right now? Well, I actually love that question because a very similar one came up over dinner last night. And so I was, I was talking to a coaching client of mine. He introduced me to um, someone very special in his life. And we were having dinner and we we're getting caught up. And, and, and she was asking me about, um, you, you know, how did I, how did I get to where I am? And I'm a storyteller. I think you learned that. Um, by the way, I'm still impressed by the fact that you had the gumption to catch a red eye, fly all the way from California to travel all the way to Atlanta, Georgia, just to see me. And if I've changed your life, I can rest assure you that I'm convinced you're going to change a lot of other people's lives as well. So, um, how did I get here? What, what, what are the magic steps? I think I'm going to answer the way I, I answered to, to, to Jeff and Christy last night. And that was, I somehow find myself in situations where I may not be on the right path. I can possibly be making mistakes, but somebody so much better than myself somehow manages to intervene and they put me on a course correction and they give me really great advice. Somehow I listen and it works. And so you accumulate really good experience by um, God sending you people that are better, smarter, faster, more experienced than yourself. And, and every now and then it sticks and uh, doors are opened and it works out really well. And so that happened, happened with my parents. It happened with officers under my dad's command. He was an Air Force officer. It happened with my granddad and the people he introduced me to. It happened at college where university professors and and members of faculty and staff took an interest in me. It, it, it happened in the professional sports realm. Uh, it happened with professional lawyers and investment bankers. Uh, it, it, it happened again and again and again. I would be at a point in my life where probably a higher power understood I was at a crossroads. Somebody shows up with a big hug and a finger pointing in the right direction, and there I would go. So. I think that's why I, if, I, if I'm going to be measured by success, it's because other people better than me have taken the time to invest in me. How's that? Oh, 
Wow, that's that's very inspiring. You mentioned something that I believe is the core for growth for many entrepreneurs and fund managers listening to us. Uh, and something that was definitely still is a huge reason and the way to grow is to be able to listen. Because there are so many valuable knowledge and advice and people who are willing to work you, willing to help you out there. But very often there is just mm. no, no listening on the other side. So huh. I, I, uh-huh. I, really, I really agree with that. You know, it's, it's, I'll give you two examples. When I was a kid, I was in college and I went to, I went to college and they were giving me money to run and I wouldn't listen to the coach. And so he showed me who was boss and uh, he took, he threw me off the team. Uh, it took a lot of hard work to stay in school but that was a hard lesson. And my granddad once again shows up and gives me some advice that, well, it, it kept me in school. Uh, then later I had this really awesome mentor. His name is David Sugarman. Uh, he was my Jewish mentor. Even though I'm not Jewish, he was just going to give me a lot of wisdom. He taught me how to sell things by teaching me how to sell other things. And so what he figured out was he put me on his boat. He was trying to teach me how to tack, which is run the boat against the wind to keep the the wind in sails. I I really, you know, I was so interested in talking that I wasn't listening, but he kept trying. And then one day when he had his back, I guess, to the, to the floor, um, and he was looking at me grinning, I realized that I was tacking. I was like, I'm doing it. Look at this. And he goes, yeah, because you've been listening. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) listening is a magic superpower, I think. I think by this time, our audience is already all ears and listening. So I want you to share if, if, if that's possible, you're speaking to so many people and you're, you're in a perfect position of being the intermediary between founders between fund managers between family offices it's a very tight community and you see all the sides of it where do you see venture market is going in the next five years you know from the i guess from the the seat of of being able to work with captains of industry you know people that legislate other decisions uh uh influencers of all measure and kind and really more so the last five and six years, those that would lead single family offices, I found that they are some of the most influential people on the planet. They have lots of money. They obviously that's measured by an incredible amount of success. They have multi-generational wisdom. And even more so, I think more important, what often many of them call a 100 year plan that spends multiple generations. And so I'm, I'm observing and now participating in and, and, and facilitating their investment in some key areas. That includes areas like construction and related technology. Also, I would say robotics and transportation. I am a fan of Tesla, but that, you know, you know Elon Musk and what they're doing at Tesla is an example of where we're taking that kind of technology. I, I would also, you know, you can always say things like, um, data and actualization but what's more important is how people are using that data so data realization and their monetization but also areas like uh edutech 
And I think really one of my favorite is probably health tech. And for example, would be uh, telemedicine. And so uh, robotics cross-reference with health tech. tech. Uh, A really good example is uh, one of our families are investing heavily in mobile imaging and mobile surgery. Very provocative, really interesting. That's, you know, that is part of telemedicine. You know, it starts over the airwaves and ends up with a van pulling up to your, your front door. So, so construction tech and related uh, opportunities, uh, the healthcare industry, specifically uh, cross-reference, you know, mobility, also transportation, uh, uh, medical devices. Those are areas where our families are investing a remarkable amount of money and you know what? I think I'll add, when you think about transportation, I'm also in retail technology. I'll give you another example, drones. We've got several families that are very interested in drone and related technology. So, you know, if you pin me up against the wall and you, you try to back me into a corner and ask me where really smart people are, are putting financial and strategic resources, that's where I'm seeing it. And if, if you if you buy into emerging trends, then I would say that's going to be consistent for the next three to five years. I'm really curious. You've mentioned several industries, and I do hear a lot of uh, interest from all of the market towards these verticals. Um, can we talk a little bit on the vehicles, investment vehicles. I've been seeing that more and more families are looking for direct investment in the companies and funds as a, as a vehicle is becoming so much harder to raise and to manage the 220 structure. Are you seeing any change in the structure and the vehicles and how capital is being allocated? If I, if I understand your, your question correctly, Anastasia, it, it's my understanding and now my participation. So, you know, if I, if I research and understand where single family offices, a lot of my alpha angel constituents as well, you you know, the way they're seeking to to deploy, deploy capital and, and then how, and how they've been doing that and what they're doing today. I'll preface it with, you know, we've heard this before, but I, I think it's, it's never been more true. There is an incredible overhang of capital. There is clearly more money be, than there is great deals. And what's really interesting is when you have money and a lot of money, it, it makes itself. It grows exponentially. And so when you're making really good decisions and you've got great people that think well and can execute, all focused around making money, protecting that money, deploying that money intelligently, and then rec- you know, recognizing the rewards and then being disciplined to redeploy that capital. That's, those are all really key attributes to sustained success in investments. And historically, you know, single family offices and alpha angels classically, they don't necessarily invest in funds, although maybe Maybe an allocation, like 20% of their net assets will do that. You'd mentioned direct investment. A really good example is if we focus on single family offices, they absolutely make direct investments 
into companies, it can be startup, emerging cultures, or small businesses, that sort of thing, mid-sized organizations, sometimes even enterprise, um, that offer strategic value. And so it's really more about, uh, often it's not about equity and profits for the family. It can be more often about they've invested in a whole suite of related products and services and they'll find a company that's very good at what they started to care about. And so they'll direct, direct invest lean into that to optimize their portfolio of investments. And, and, and quite frankly, that's what Alpha Angels have been doing, you know, for as long as we've, we've understood the term. And so that's very, very, very consistent. And, and then I am going to add that because there's so much capital, we are starting to see uh, – a convergence in, in, in a limited way between single family offices and also multifamily offices, what you'd recognize as wealth managers and that sort of thing. And then derivative funds and, and all that. We're starting to see a bit more collaboration because there's just so much capital. It, it sits there. It's, it's, it's laying um, um, inert, <laughs> if you will. And it's, it's, you know, it's not really doing anything. And so they're, they're, now we're seeing an open-mindedness to join forces with types of funds, but funds that have hyper-specificity. Those are key words, hyper-focus and hyper-specificity. So uh, single-family offices are looking for fund and managers that are subject matter experts in very specific areas and and that that also increases the measure of accountability and responsibility. It's it's you know I'm gonna take it one step further because I, I think you know me well enough. I can't help myself when I do this. <laughs> Single family offices also avoid uh, the public markets, and and I think you know I talked about reporting behavior and that sort of thing. And so they 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 are seeking some fund utilization of their capital for deployment. But they are avoiding public markets. They don't, they don't like SPACs. You know, they're they're not that all that interested in IPOs. Um, you know, they are they are far minded, and they're and so they are they're not really interested in working with venture capital types. That their job is to simply put money to work and hope it hope it works out. They are more interested in maybe, for example, private equity that will not have a shotgun, but have a sniper rifle, and they're focusing on specific markets where now the words collaboration and communication and genuine strategic value can, 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 can get involved. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I, I think I can tie it all up by saying they typically don't want to invest in funds, but they're realizing they, they, typically, they, they may have to. But if they're going to do that, they're going to look for specificity and a hallmark of success is working with specialists and they value the strategic aspect of that and they will drive collaboration and communication. How's that? I love it. You've mentioned a key word, ultra focus. And I'm seeing more and more funds that are choosing very specific niche. They're bringing experts within that niche they're building their own expertise or they're bringing their own expertise. And it sounds like based on what you mentioned, they have the best shot with single family offices. Um, yes, absolutely. 
I, I, unqualified. Yes, that is correct. All right. I'm, I'm glad I was able to, you know, summarize it properly. I hope that our listeners will also make their notes and um, position themselves in the best angle when they are approaching family offices. I'm sure there are a lot of funds and a lot of startups that are approaching you when they're asking for an intro to someone. This is literally how we got to know each other because I was reaching out to one of the family offices and they said, no, no, we are only getting deals from Brian and he is our uh, he is our gatekeeper. If um, Until he says yes to, to you, we're not going to talk. And it was very impressive. And I think there is, uh, uh, I mean, I can clearly see why they're using your expertise, your background to filter the deals. Um, can you share with our listeners, what, do you, what makes you say yes to a person or a deal when they come to you? Sure. By the way, I don't, I don't like the term gatekeeper because that's right. just barriers. I'm actually an intermediary, and my job is to create bridges. So if I, like I see barriers, my job is to create bridges over those barriers. And so, um, and, and by the way, I, I, I really appreciate that you, your mind and your heart goes towards hyper-focus because that's the trend. That's where things need to be. In, in life, we understand that the more generic, the broader, you know, the, um, the more scattering the effort, uh, the more diluted it becomes. And so family offices and Alpha Angels have learned over decades, decades, that they are very specialized in how they build their enterprise uh, corporations that have thrown off all that capital. So they, are, they then mediate towards uh, other experts that they can collaborate with. And, and that's what you and I talked about, shared values. We talked about influence and then how that leads to impact and, and, and transformation. And, and so um, if, if the question now is, is what kind of decisioning do I make on behalf of my constituents, which by the way is a word that a lot of people pause over, um, but I think constituents is a great word. They taught me it in the context of I serve them. And I serve them in their philosophy and how they go about uh, making decisions. And so it, I'll give you an example in the context of, of, of um, these alpha single family offices. Like a bank, they, they have covenants and they have uh, very specific guidelines where they will deploy capital under strategic nature, uh, how they support all of it and how they attempt to be part of that solution as opposed to a bigger problem. My role is understanding the genuine needs or desires of my constituents and being very alert and aware and attuned and with empathy of what's happening in the marketplace. And so, look, I'm fortunate. I'm a reasonably likable guy. People like to talk to me. I have access to a lot of information. It gets filtered through a very strong team of phenomenal analysts that are, guess what, experts in very specific fields. And so we are constantly uh, observing, researching, evaluating market trends, where things are going, establishing a measure of 
uh, analytical ability to foretell what may be happening over the next, you know, three, four, five, six years, and then using that as a filter against what my constituents are trying to accomplish. Investment is a start. What you do with that money is more important. Money is easy and easy to find, but finding people that will do great things with it is more difficult. So when I'm evaluating opportunities, let's call them deals. I prefer to call them projects. It's just, it's just nomenclature. And, and it starts with getting a sense of who people are as individuals and really getting an understanding of how they make decisions and how they came to the point and what kind of leverage and filters they use. And so understanding people, how they think, uh, getting a sense of the people around them. My granddad, you know, once said to me that if you're going to judge Brian, do it by the men around him, right? I love that. It stuck with me, and I, and I use that as my own lens. So I, I look for the caliber of people that are making the decisions that will leverage the capital, and I also try to assess their specificity, their expertise, that sort of thing. Uh, do they really understand their market? Have they built something because they can or they thought they should? Or do they genuinely understand that there's a marketplace for their product or service that solves a problem that is hurts so bad that people will pay money to make the boo-boo go away? And that's a great, I mean, that's a great screening process. So my constituents are very clear about where they want their money to go and the types of people they want to be associated with. And I'm, my job is to be out there absorbing data, information, and compiling that, and then trying to build a bridge between really great strategic inspired money and phenomenal people with great ideas. And my job is to build a bridge between them, to, to establish collaboration, make sure they're communicating extremely well. And everybody is making great decisions, right? So that's, that's how I do it. It's, you know, and I, I don't do it by myself. I think you've had interface with some of my people and you've also had the uh, you, you've also have met or spoken to um, some people that I really think highly of. And um, it, it's always a matter of refreshing your friends and keeping them accountable and staying in touch. But I have a great team and I use that word collaborate and communicate a lot. And so by the time I'm saying yes to a company that's looking for capital, it's usually based on a collaborative effort and there's a consensus amongst me and my team. I see, I like that. It, it explains a lot of what happens on another side. And um, when it comes to finding these deals, um, can you give me a quick overview, maybe like a percentage of how much of your, uh, pro how many of your projects are coming from your closed network, your worm introductions and uh, is there any chance for people to just directly enter enter your 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 pipeline? Well, you know, I'd mentioned that there's so much money and it's trying to find the place to go so it can do a lot of good. 
And that means family offices and, and Alpha Angels are having to be more open-minded. They still need intermediaries. Uh, you call them gatekeepers. It doesn't really matter. There, there still has to be a filtering process because there, there's just too many people that once they get capital, they just lose their minds and make poor decisions. But, you know, to, to drop your question into buckets, to get to me, we have a wonderful ecosystem it sounds egotistical, but you know, it's called the Brian Cork ecosystem. And <laughs> when you do a lot of good in your life, then you're rewarded by people protecting that. And so like in my coaching and my executive and business coaching practice, even before that, my recruiting practices and some other businesses, everything that I do is based on referrals. So if you want me to coach you, somebody that's had success with me has to make that introduction. And there, there is no selling, there is no pre-preparation, there is like, hey, you help so-and-so, I sure could use some coaching, will you be my coach? And then, you know, God sorts it out and, and the details snap into place and, and, and there you go. When it, when it comes to companies that need capital and in the context of me being an intermediary, we still rely very heavily on a referral process. And so that Brian Cork ecosystem, uh, as you know, we also have what a lot of people call the coalition. There, there is, it's, it's a hearty and ferocious network of 100 single family offices, and they're, and they're surrounded by a deep bench of alpha angels and that sort of thing. Many, you know, they accumulated themselves. And then, you know, I got lucky enough to be part of that, of that ecosystem. But we do have a very... Uh, clearly stated, very discipline-oriented process that starts with common threads like shared values, people in you know markets, communities, and networks. And the, we prefer companies and the people that run those companies to be referred to us by trusted sources because they know who we are. They know how we operate. They become that first line of defense. They are that, that first critical filter. Somebody calls me and says, hey, I've come across this great business. That, you know, the, the CEO and his team is, are phenomenal. Uh, the, the idea seems to have um, a lot of legs. It, it makes sense. And it does match you know, what's happening in, in business and market trends. And so may I make that introduction? And, you know, that's a very warm introduction. It's extremely well qualified. And then they can, I, th I think you're aware of the, of the 120, 4100 portal where people can um, approach it and they have to answer a lot of tough questions, right? Right. And uh, one of them, of course, is who referred you to us? And if, <laughs> if you can't answer that question, you're going to get a very polite email saying, hey, we appreciate you checking in, but you're going to need to come back with somebody that will advocate for you. So that's how it works. I hear you. And what you keep mentioning that really deeply resonates with me is that when you, when somebody comes from your existing network, somebody who is already integrated in your ecosystem, making, making deals, building projects, getting, uh, collaborating it just becomes so much easier because there is already alignment on a basic level and I do believe yes. that every single entrepreneur every single fund manager 
should learn how to build relationships, how to give value. And from giving value, they will receive so much more in return than from just trying to, you know, raise capital in a cold manner. Absolutely. One of my favorite Brian-isms is in the company of goodly men, great things happen, right? And that may come across as sexist, but if everybody can get over that, if you, if you focus on good people around you, then those people tend to take care of one another and they respect resources and boundaries and parameters and efforts and, and vision and all that sort of thing. And so as, as is my want, I will now drop into a quick anecdote. I was on the phone yesterday, got a very warm introduction from a level, you know, from one of my investors to talk to somebody that he's known for, for decades. And this second person, uh, it took me a while, but, he, he, there was talk that he wanted to talk about a number of things, but what he really wants is what most people want, which is investment capital. He needs money. And what was interesting about that is within 15 seconds of us, you know, making polite introductions on the phone, it's almost like he couldn't help himself. He went right into a pitch, mm-hmm. just right away. It's a good pitch. <laughs> Right. He's articulate. He's got a great modulated voice, you know, well qualified. And I was like, whoa, 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 look, look, I really appreciate that. But tell me about yourself. Why are you so excited about what you're doing? It was funny because he had to gather himself. Right. And but I could also tell he was irritated and he was impatient. Mm. He just wanted to pitch. So, So hold that thought. Right. Because that's a human dynamic. On other uh, other rungs of that scale, there are often times when people will approach you and say, hey, can I pitch you? My response is always going to be, no, I don't want to be pitched. I would like to have a conversation. Yeah. I'd like to you know, ask questions and hear about you. You know, Anastasia, you called it being cold. It's like if somebody invites you in, onto their phone or into their email or across text, you know, um, name your platform, talk to them, take the time to explain your passion, where you come from, what are, you know, try to find common ground, shared values. I mean, you've heard me say shared values. Now it's five times, (laughs) right? It's that is, that is, that is the rich, fertile ground for collaboration. And you may be a diamond in the rough CEO, and you, you may have some great ideas, but you don't know how to get them across, which is why most people can't raise money. They, they don't understand the love language. They, they, they're trying to relay information in a way that other people can't receive it. But if they just slow down and, you know, in a sincere effort to actually get to know somebody. On LinkedIn, don't jump up and say, hey, thanks for taking my introduction. I sure hope you're having a great day. Pause. I have this wonderful investment that's going to change your life. How can you possibly know you're going to change my life? <laughs> right. Right. So look, that, that's a real, that, that's almost a cheap shot because what else are they going to do? But look, if you are given the opportunity, 
here's the key. Here's a secret, I think, ingredient to this kind of success. If you are a person of measure and merit and you've conducted your life in a, in a, in a good way and people respect you and you ask them for help, like, for example, introductions to key decision makers and influencers, and you do your homework, you actually check people out on LinkedIn, you'll learn a few things about them. Uh, don't be shallow and, and just check a few boxes, but don't use words like pitch. Uh, don't just move right into the pitch. If someone's actually going to talk to you, they they are apparently willing to connect with you. So communicate and um, be a be a real human being. Because at, uh, at the end of the day, it's like the old saying goes. People don't buy the thing, they buy the salesman. More often than not, <laughs> we invest more in the, in the jockey, the CEO, or the, or the entrepreneur, um, and then we want to help them bring their vision to life. So uh, right there, I was uncommonly um, verbose, and I apologize. But you're, you had a very big question, and honestly, Anastasia, I think what you have asked and what we are touching on is the single biggest problem most entrepreneurs face when they're seeking capital. And that's why it is the single hardest thing a person's ever going to do. I can absolutely resonate with that. And, you know, I just keep hearing validation for, you know, what Get Funded Tools and me are preaching and teaching and consulting on is how to build a communication, how to build a relationship with investors. And, you know, I'm mentoring Mm. in 500 Startups Accelerator, and it's a great program. It's a great accelerator. But most of the accelerators for a long period of time, like three months, all they do is to teach entrepreneur to pitch. And, you know, Mm. then they, they jump on a call with me and I'm like, forget everything you just learned. You don't need to pitch. You need to connect. Pitching is not the goal. This is not the destination. You can use a pitch as a tool when it makes sense and it should be brief. It means you should be very deliberate about the way you're describing your company. You have to have clear business narrative. Of course, you have to have all that, but that's 10%. 90% is the human connection and ability to understand if there is a, again, shared values on the table. Yes, ma'am. Um, Spot on. <laughs> I, I love how you wrapped it up and uh, you have so much experience. And I'm going to be honest, when we met in Georgia, you gave me probably number one, the most valuable advice in my life. Yes, I can definitely give it number one uh, spot. You said that I should surround myself with allies. And I've mm. heard very important thing in, in that because You know, I've always been very giving to my community and very often I wouldn't receive back from some people and I would give, 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 and I would give me so much frustration. And you said that an ally is somebody who's back. You, it's somebody who you will go to a war for, and they will go to a war for you. And that should be a mutual collaboration. It should be mutual exchange of values. It should be mutual exchange of energy, of help, and et cetera. That honestly changed my life. So I'm very grateful. And you're coaching, you're mentoring a lot of people, a lot of incredible entrepreneurs. 
Um, I want to wrap up this interview with the last question uh, asking, what was the single most valuable advice that you received in your career? I think the good news is remarkably, I got some of the best advice I've received from multiple people over different parts of my life. So that was consistent. I, these are people that had come into my life and, at different times that I cared about because they cared about me. Um, before I even understood the notion of being allies, they were just caring people that were successful and wanted to see that carried forward. And, and so some of, the, some of the key words that have been shared with me is, you should always have a plan. And it's okay if your plan changes, but you gotta have a plan that will create discipline. A good plan means research. It means trying to find the right people to be around you, uh, validating what you're trying to accomplish. And then, you, you know, you have a plan, that's great. Um, but also surround yourself with great people, right? Possibly, if, if, if possible people that are better, faster, smarter than yourself. That's, that's not even a cliche. It's just that in, in the right company, you're going to stretch, you're going to be made better. Good stuff will rub off on you. Also, believe in something. I, uh, I worry sometimes when people say, oh, I believe in myself. My, my question is, I want to be snarky, might be, well, who else believes in you and, and why? But believe in something and uh that will evolve over time it could be it could be a very sophomoric approach you may you may see a a, a you know a, a get rich quick scheme or a philosophy on youtube or whatever and i believe in that but an example of something that's worth believing in is is a faith a religion um a, a type of person that you aspire to be like and then so have a plan believe in something and I also am, am now convinced that you have to have a philosophy. And a philosophy will drive a lot of your decisioning. And it will help you cut right to the core and establish a rapport with the right community. And that will change over time. As, as, you, as you gain experience and you get older and you accumulate more experience, then your, your philosophy will shift, grow, change, and evolve, especially if you can add to it. Right now, for example, uh, my, my, my emerging philosophy has been around stoic and being, you know, being stoic and stoicism. And really, it's real simple. In a nutshell, it's focus on what you can actually do and then seek help for the things that you can't do and believe that there is a higher power. It might be your wife, you know, it might be your boss, you know, it, it, it you know, it, it, it may be that religious thing. Um, but focus on, on what you can do, seek help for the things that you can't do. Uh, believe that things will work out if you do the right thing, if you do the good work, if you do good work, great things will happen. So have a plan, Believe in something, not just yourself, but something else, and, and have a philosophy. Those three things will sustain you in your darkest and your brightest moments because they will carry you through. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm sure that if a person can integrate at least even one of these things, they will 
much get on a much more uh, solid grounds in their lives. And if they integrate all three, they will create truly fulfilling life and uh, success that they desire. I am so grateful for you and for uh, your wisdom, for your time, for your energy. And I'm hoping that in the future we will speak here more. I'll look forward to that. And I appreciate the opportunity, Anastasia. I think you're wonderful. And I appreciate what you're doing out there in the business community. Thank you, Brian.